0: It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories.
1: Welcome to those who you are listening and are watching to The Kingdom and Its Stories. We're delighted to have you with us today. Let me just review for you what our purpose is. Our purpose is to interview our brothers and sisters who are involved in being Jesus' hands and feet In what they're already doing, and not something that, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we have to be doing this as a vocation, whether we're a store clerk or a pastor or involved in legislation uh, or in business, we need to think about how can we be Jesus' hands and feet. And, you know, sometimes, People criticize us for saying, okay, we need emphasizing the doing of God's Word rather than the believing of God's Word, because what we need to do is proclaim. And my response is one of the greatest ways, the most effective ways that we can proclaim the gospel is to be Jesus for those who are around us. And today uh, we have a brother, uh, Joaquin Vargas. um, And Joaquin, welcome to this program. We're so glad to have you with us. And uh, as we get started, tell us, uh, what's the elevator speech of who is Joaquin?
2: Joaquin. Well, I was born in the Dominican Republic. Um, My father was an attorney and uh, he had been a judge when he was young, but he was also kind of like a political activist with a, against the dictator of Trujillo uh, back in the 1950s, 1940s. There was a dictator in Dominican and a group of leaders had become um, involved in trying to uh, take this guy out. And my father ended up in jail for that. So for me, the beginning, it begins in my womb. When my father promised uh, to this saint called Santa Joaquina de Vedruna uh, that if he was not murdered or tortured, that he would promise uh, the name of the child to honor her. That's why my name hmm. is So it starts right there. Okay. I painted her in jail. I still, I have it right here in my office. <laughs> uh, and uh, because my dad is up uh, to honor my dad. Um, but that's the beginning of my my legacy, beginning right there. My father had, was very involved with uh, making sure that, that, uh, that justice was done. And um, I, the, when I was 18, my parents wanted me to be a good professional, so they sent me to the States to learn English as a second language. I ended up in Charleston, West Virginia, of all places, to learn English as a second language. So I went back talking like this with a Southern accent. When I, <laughs> <laughs> I had a southern African Spanish yeah. uh, but one of the things that happened that year there was a, a, a girl at, at the school, her name was Leon Patton uh, transformed my life because what happened is that she shared the gospel with me and uh, opened up the word of God, I started reading it and I became a Christian um, wow. my mother, first Christians in my family and I went back home to Dominican a year later I was ministering when I was 20 years old so wow Starts at twenty, working with the poor, and that's been my life. So,
1: why did you, uh, why why did you, when you began your ministry, start working with
2: the poor? I just had a passion. Well, one of the, I think there was uh, conditions that happened. There was a big hurricane in Dominica in nineteen seventy nine, and I saw the Bible and I said, "We gotta love people w- when they have needs." So I saw it. I lived in an affluent area, but I looked down to that area and I said, "We gotta do something." And uh, I was only a new believer, um, but I told my pastor, hey, we need to go down and help the people. So we started rebuilding homes, and that started a Bible study, a discipleship, and that's the way that I started ministry.
1: Praise the Lord. Wow. That's, that, what, what area of the Dominican Republic was that?
2: It was, it was in Santo Domingo um, in the capital city, an area called Kilometro Ocho. And uh, that community is, still has a thriving church there. It's a multiplying church. There have started other churches. There's leaders who have come out of there who still are in leadership. Even one of them is here in Phoenix with me as a well,
1: Yeah, that's exciting. Well, uh tell us then uh, you began your journey of faith in in the south of this country um, with a southern accent. That's, that's really funny to me. A Dominican with an American southern accent. Um, but uh, but but that's good, that's fine. so then you went to the Dominican Republic and you began ministering there, and then when you why did you come back here and what are you doing here?
2: Well, what happened was that uh I went back home and to Dominican and later I got married and uh it, it I there was a situation in Dominican, I was working secularly as a teacher. And the university got involved in selling diplomas, so I decided to immigrate to the United States, but my visa wasn't approved. That's a long story. My visa was denied uh, because of errors from the lawyer and because the lady didn't believe. That. I was too young to be a pastor, she said. <laughs> uh, I said, well, okay, well, I'm going to go back. So I went back, and that's when I got appointed to work with, at that time, it was called the Conservative Baptist Home Mission Society. Okay. And I was appointed in 1985 to go back home. And do uh, leadership development and church planting. Okay. So later, I came. I decided to go to come to Denver Seminary to get my master's in missions. And after that, I stayed in Mexico and then the United States here in Phoenix. And and that's I've been here for thirty years since nineteen ninety. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. So,
2: what are you doing here in Phoenix? Well, I started working with a mission. I worked for thirty-one years uh, with a mission. Uh, as a church planner, as a, a catalyst leadership development. Uh, and then I became an executive of the mission. I became a vice president of ministries for the mission. Uh, uh, the peak, I had 219 missionaries in 24 countries that we were impacting people with the gospel of Jesus. And a lot of our work uh, at that time still is, is we had a lot of nationals uh, who work in church planting and, and social ministries. So that was, that was what Missions Door did a lot. Um, but then I resigned in 1990, uh, no, 2016 I resigned and I started a mission agency or a leadership development organization called Global 180. Um, and that just was very, very difficult. Uh, starting something from scratch, as you probably know, is very, very hard. So um, I, I got a part-time job uh, in Minneapolis uh, to help out with financial. I moved from Denver. But then I I, I, just, I just did not like the cold. I just not like to be in Minneapolis. My wife hated it. And we decided to come to Arizona. A friend of mine, one of my the, my mentees from Mexico, he told me, Pastor Joaquin, why don't you just come here and help us do church planting And here in Mesa, in Phoenix area. And that's what I've been doing. And since then, I've been involved with church planting, uh, helping with a search uh network or search I'm working in the Latino area for search and then also uh I work with um uh with the mission I continue to be uh kind of like the the founder chief operations officer for the organization.
1: Okay. Now that's the big picture. Come down to how does this work? How does what you are doing in terms of church planning and mobilizing local churches for engagement in ministry. How does that work out at the grassroots level?
2: Well, as a pastor of a Spanish church, you have a reality. And I think, and I tried to share this with uh, American pastors or uh, English speaking pastors uh, who are part of, of, of the body of Christ here. And I tell them to be a pastor for a Latino church is a total different ball game. Your schedule is a little different. Um, sometimes you can't plan because uh crisis happened or situations happen where you need to be present and I believe strongly in having a minister presence, sometimes being there uh, with the people, holding their hands and helping them walk through the the valley or 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 the desperation of being in jail because of immigration, for example uh and also or helping people translate or helping somebody who's been abused uh, or um or a, a single mom who who needs help filling out the forms so she could get um some help for their child um for food on the table so it's just a very uh, various various things especially with the immigration issue that's a huge thing too uh with a latino church
1: well what are some st- what are some stories that you could tell us Joaquin that that would illustrate um how you or how your people? I'm assuming you mobilize your people for this as well. Uh, what What are some stories of how what this looks
2: like on the ground? The ground, I could tell you. Uh, I started the church knowing that being a pastor of a Spanish church, it was going to be more than preaching. That it was, I was going to have to become an advocate, uh, and also, uh, I also needed to be an empower and because I wanted to minister with dignity and with hope uh, to people. So I started researching on some of the ways that people uh, uh, could be helped. So one of the the persons that came was Juanito. Juanito is a guy from South Mexico and he's been here for many, many years. He's undocumented uh, and I won't mention last names further for, their,
1: uh, for their, sure. I understand.
2: but Juanito and his wife, uh they came they're, they have a child that was born in the united states but uh he's been here working as a landscaper and uh he was taking advantage uh that was one of the things that happened and i told him no you can't an american guy was taking advantage of him and pretty much robbing of money and and abuse and i said no, you gotta stop that i mean we we, we just have to tell uh, this guy no you can't do this anymore you can't work for him and he makes more money than you That doesn't make sense. You're doing the job. He's getting the money. So I told him, why don't we just start an LLC? And you start with this legal entity so you could work uh, with this organization, so you could provide the services to the communities. He was already doing it, but he didn't have this structure. So that's one thing I do. I I empower Juanito to start his company. Uh, So now he has an LLC, and I help him with uh, communications, getting a logo, getting a brand, so I help them put him in Google and help them. There's a lot of stuff that I've done to help, help them with the finances. And more important I think, which I, something I hold dear is that you're now here in the United States, you got to pay taxes. Uh, and so I, I push for that. I say everybody here in the United States pay taxes. So you're here. And I think it's, it's your, as a Christian, you have to do this. So I help them file taxes and because there are ways that, uh, even undocumented workers, nobody can get a rod of the IRS <laughs> even right. they do taxes uh, the United States has systems for that.
1: Okay, so Juanito, even though he's an undocumented uh, immigrant, mm-hmm. you helped him form an LLC uh, which is a, a limited liability company, correct? That's- and um, and so he, even though he's an, uh, undocumented, he can still have a business. Yep. And he can pay taxes yep. and um, and you you helped him do that yeah. Yeah. Is, is this is this an exceptional story or is it a common story
2: i think it's more common but uh, my gifting i think is different because i have a lot of administrative skills so and i and i then i also because of this ministry i'm getting more prepared and educated on tax laws and and not only on immigration laws but also on laws of the land uh that we could use uh so they could have a better way to to be in the United States until we get a a comprehensive immigration reform passed
1: okay good uh, i want to just interrupt right here and say for those who are listening or watching you're you're watching uh this edition of the kingdom and its stories where we interview people uh to Give us ideas about how we as individuals, how we as listeners and observers can better be Jesus hands and feet. And so, Joaquin, so one of the things that you're doing is helping, uh, people get set up an LLC for one thing so that they're not taken advantage of. Right. And number two, to help them pay taxes, mm-hmm. which they should do in this country. Yeah, and um, and uh, okay, good. What else? What are some other examples?
2: Uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalo. It's a guy who uh, came twenty, maybe twenty-three years ago. Him and his wife, and he's my right-hand side. Uh, I asked a, he said, "I'm his son." So, okay. his last name is the same like me. <laughs> I already gave his last name, but that's okay because in his case, he is in a sense legal. Because he was detained by immigration, because he has three U.S. citizens, he was giving a permit that allows him to work every year. Okay, but he has to renew every single year because there's no law that will allow him to become a resident until his daughter or son petitions him, and they have to be 21 years old. Okay, so right now he's fine in a sense, but he can't travel; he can't get out of the country. But Gonzalo is another guy that I helped them form their LLC. Uh, it, it, they have a cleaning company, and I did the same thing. Uh, I said, "Well, now you have to do this." And one of the things that happened with Gonzalo, Gonzalo has been married to his wife for not married, living together. They have three kids and they're right. together for twenty years. I said, well, what's up with that? You gotta yeah, right. love her. You gotta get married." <laughs> <laughs> The, the wedding ceremony a couple of years ago, and great. things change. Um, uh, the, his life has been transformed. Uh, his wife helps a lot with uh, operations of the church, and and she does a, such a great job with hosting events. And now, th- not only they have their company, and sometimes I even have to do the the. They're their, their billing, for example. They don't know how to do it. So I said, send me a bill to this person. So I got to write uh, an invoice for somebody. It takes me five minutes to do it. Uh, and But then that way they could get paid. Uh, but they have our company. They also have our brand. Uh, the funny thing is that I told them, well, we got to have names uh, that people know how to pronounce it. So you, can, okay. you can say Gonzales Cleaning. <laughs> And people are not going to understand, and I'm like, how do you spell that? They say, well, let's just call it, so I said, well, let's call them deluxe cleaning. So so I spent, like, almost half a day trying to show her how to pronounce deluxe. <laughs> deluxe. Okay. All right. that so another guy, uh, his wife, that are dear to me, and they're now doing ministry. Ministry, they got married now. They're married. Legally. All right. So, so I redid the wedding. But um, there's many things we do at the church. Uh, to well,
1: before you go on to talk about some of the things that you do at the church, I just want to comment um, that um, using the your example, it seems like your life is an example of not just getting involved at the superficial level, but really getting involved with the lives of those people that God has called you to minister to. And 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 that's not just, you know, a one-time thing. It's getting to know them, walking with them, seeing the issues that they have, creatively thinking with them about how do we solve this issue? How do we make this difficulty better? And, and, and advising them, you know, you may not like it, but you, you're here. You need to pay taxes. Yeah. Uh, you've been living together for 20 years. You got three kids. You need to get married. Yeah, and right. it's like, it's like, uh, being the angel on the shoulder of these people and being there long enough to know what the issues are and loving them sacrificially spending time with them, to even to even writing bills
2: for their customers. I love it. Sounds great. And sometimes, like, for, for example, for me, it's been a learning experience. Even though I'm the son of an attorney, I kind of have a little bit of the wiring of laws and things like that. Uh, I sometimes have to investigate. Like, we had a situation where Iris, uh she was... Um, I met her back in Mexico she, she was married to one of the seminary students he passed away uh the husband uh, early on when she was like 26 years old yeah she was a widow and then but she got involved in a relationship with somebody that wasn't the best uh for her and uh, he ended up in jail uh, abusive she became she was able to become a resident because of Bawa which is a law that protects uh, women who have been abused by you US citizens okay abused and um uh, and she was able to get the green card but she was still married to this guy so I meet her at church she's our worship leader and I think it is are you planning to go back with this guy when you get when you he goes out of jail and no absolutely not I said okay why you not why don't you get divorced he said well it's too expensive I said, no I think you need to get divorced and I'm going to do it. Let's do it. So I became, I talked to attorneys and I went online, investigated. The funny thing is, when I went to deposit the papers, the ladies thought, the lady at the office there, they thought that I'm the husband. They said, no, 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 no. So who are you? I said, I'm the pastor. He yeah. said, oh, you make, you also do divorces? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm married and I'm divorced. <laughs> we processed, it took a year and a half because it wasn't even COVID, but it is now Is Legally divorced, and it was a process, and I had to learn to save money to do the divorces. Now, so I tell people, well, if you need it, we also could do divorces. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well,
1: I know I know that some of our listeners are going to have a theological issue with you over that, uh, and we don't have time to talk about that. But yes. uh, the thing that interests me is you're open to being creative. Yeah. And this is helping somebody to solve an issue, and I I really appreciate that. Tell me, Joaquin, how are you? And and we're we're running close to being out of time, but but tell me, what are some of the things that you do to encourage the people of your church to be Jesus' hands and feet?
2: Well, one thing I do is, there's a verse that we use a lot in our church. It's Jeremiah 29, 7. Okay. Read it. I had it right here. It says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. You will find your welfare. I always say, we got to bendecir. We call it in Spanish. Bendice la ciudad donde estás como extranjero. They say, we are foreigners here. God God has allowed us to be in this country. And I tell him, go ahead and stomp your feet and see where you are. You're in Mesa, Arizona, and we have to bless this city. We have to bless Arizona. We have to find ways to bless this country by doing things that, minimal things. So I always say, we have to have a Jeremiah 29 mentality of blessing people, helping others. Um, And that's what we do at the church. And, and that's that's something that we do and
1: what's what's the story of how your some of your people have done that well,
2: well, well uh one of the ways is just even helping the church the local church uh it, it's an american english speaking church that's been uh, in, in decadence it has been uh, going uh because of community change so they're now about 40 50 people so right. They needed stronger uh, people to help out. And uh, we were able to help the church there. Uh, a building that was 40, uh, it's been there, it was going to cost $40,000 to knock down. And uh, it, it was there for 10 years abandoned. abandon. Uh, we were able, with our strong hands and people who work on that, we were able to do it uh, as a church and bless that church. Good, good. Okay. Walking. Well,
1: you have sixty seconds, less than that, mm-hmm. to tell the listeners to inc- something that you would like them to remember from our interview today.
2: Well, I I think you need to love people. I think we it doesn't okay. matter what the race it doesn't matter the color it doesn't matter uh, their immigration status. God has called us to love the people in the land and because we are all his children and in his image uh, and uh, we we have a great opportunity to reach out to people now
1: amen but, are- but you know it, Matthew 25 we, we need to not only know that right. mm-hmm. we need to do it correct Matthew 25 it, exactly yeah we we've, we've got to be Jesus hands and feet Amen. And we do that by loving people.
2: Thank you for the opportunity uh, and pray for us.
1: Joaquin, thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you, brother.
2: God bless you. God bless
1: you. Thank you. Jesus
0: defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.